Hello, 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 everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Dork Side of the Ring podcast. I'm your host, your purveyor of all things dorky within the scope of professional wrestling and sports entertainment. I am Grum, and it's good to have you, good to see you, good to be with you on this fine day or night or whenever you're listening to it. You could be a daytime walker like me, works during the day, listens to podcasts during the day, or a frolicking night person, and I'm accompanying you on your nighttime frolic. Uh, it is good to have you, though. Episode 81, we've got a fun one today. We're going to be talking about the time MVP and Matt Hardy went one-on-one on a basketball court. And I couldn't think of better guests to have than the duo, the the Philadelphia content machines, uh, Mark Henry Jr., no relation to the wrestler Mark Henry, and we'll talk about that. And from You Know Ball, a mostly Sixers podcast, Trill Bro Dude, good to have both of them on. It's a fun episode today. We talk about... Well, we talk about MVPs and Matt Hardy's basketball abilities. We talk about um, who we think would be good basketball players from wrestling and from wrestling, you know, and who, you know, from who from basketball would translate well to uh, to to pro wrestling. Talk about the fanaticism of pro wrestling fans and just like dedication, loyalty is you know because we get into a patrol worked at Caroline's, which used to be. A pretty hot spot for like uh, wrestling content. We, you know, Sam Roberts would have a live show there with wrestlers, especially around the time that you know, anytime WWE was in town for an event, uh, Sam Roberts would work together and try to get them. So, you know, Trill has some experience there. Uh, it's a fun episode. Also, Trill gives us a story I've never heard. It's very funny. It's a very funny story involving Paul Heyman at Caroline's. Uh, and I think it's very funny because I'm 99% sure that the, the day that Trill tells this story is also the day where I believe uh, Paul Heyman kind of went on a rant about uh, some some stuff. So it's a good, you know, at Caroline's on on Sam Roberts show and a uh, good good conversation there. Uh, what, let's see. I guess we since we've recorded, since I recorded, since you last heard, a week ago was what? The last, you know, so there would have been... The Iron Man, yeah. So the Revolution. I went seven and one on my predictions. Uh, good job by me. I did not do well on the prop bets that I made up. So I'm going to work on making better prop bets, especially for WrestleMania. Uh, but I hope you guys enjoyed that. I did. Uh, I'm going to have some more stuff coming up soon as well. Uh, but I also want to say talk a little bit about the actual, uh, the actual like Revolution pay per view because it was. A lot of fun, but it was definitely one of those ones where you got mixed bags. Some people liked the middle portion of the show. Some people didn't. Some people liked the you know liked the Iron Man match all the way through. Some people didn't. They liked the last fifteen minutes. Some people didn't like that there was a restart. Blah blah. And it's like, I I mean, it's, wrestling is subjective, but. For my money's worth, that was the greatest Iron Man match of all time, and. For me to like, I would really like the very first one, the very first 60 minute one with uh, Bret Hart and John Michaels. Because unlike some other ones where like I dr- drifted in and out around like minute 35 to minute 40 or you know 25 to 30, this one, similar to the, the Bret Hart and the Shawn Michaels one, was very similar in that they did a good job of telling multiple stories throughout the match. Um, and I think that's the key. Like, 
some of the Iron Man matches, especially like the the Rock and Triple H, which some people regard very highly, the Cena and Orton one, which surprised a lot of people, kind of just go with like, oh, hey, let's get a bunch of shenanigans in the middle to get you to pay attention. Whereas, you know, uh, MJF and Daniel Bryan worked together to tell some really good story. The first fall didn't happen until 25 minutes in. And obviously, I was like, all right, well, this is clearly... And then immediately became 2-2 uh, because, you know, he got kicked in the... Uh, Daniel got pro- kicked in the dick, and MJF got two two quick pinfalls off of it. And I'm like, oh, wow, okay, so this is what we're doing here. I like this because it's like, all right, hey, like, you're conditioned to see high, high scoring, <laughs> for lack of a better term, high scoring... Uh, Falls uh, Iron Man matches, and you had f- you had four with before the first like half of the thing, but they did it in such a quick succession, and then they had later ones where you know to make it three three, and over the course of the match you you're seeing some big spots. I mean, Daniel uh, uh, Danielson was just going berserk with just throwing his own body into it. MJF pulling out a near perfect Asai moon salt. He definitely got. Uh, two, his his foot you could tell it almost slipped off, but he was all right. Um, the I, what I really liked though was it was very clear that they were doing their, and this is this is why I I, I really liked it because they were doing an homage to the very to the sixty man between Brett and Sean, and it was very clear after you, as you're watching it, you're like, oh okay, they're they're intentionally doing this. Oh, they've been doing this the whole time, but AEW storytelling is kind of weird. But they were doing the whole thing where Sean was going into this, and it was a boyhood dream. And Brett was like, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna prove that I'm better than you. I'm, you know, it, it was babyface, babyface back then. So they, but there was an element to where Bret Hart was like, "I'm better than you, and I'm gonna expose you." And Sean said, "I'm gonna stay step for step for you." And you see them, of course, throughout the ma- match. But the w- biggest one, obviously, being the uh, the elbow drop to the outside from MJF where he did, he, he gives the Sean, you know, a uh, little, little arm thing. Sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm remembering I'm on YouTube, but I need to explain what I'm doing. But then he does like the running, the, the running tombstone onto the, what's left of the thing. There was just a lot of, it was a modern take on the actual match itself. Um, but it was an homage where you could feel that there were certain things that were coming. You know, you got, you know, hey, the last gasp for that la- for to get a win in regulation and doesn't happen. You know, uh, obviously, again, it's changed a little bit because now it's a traditional babyface good guy uh, or babyface bad guy. Uh, or uh, whereas the HBK and Shawn Michaels was babyface babyface, and I really like the I really like that it went into overtime. I like that overtime ended because, you know. <laughs> MJF said what he would do. He's the kind of guy who will get in a car accident and put his passenger in the front seat so he and so he can get away with it. And he does that exactly. He took the oxygen thing, bang, good. And I like the you know the the getting to that point where he's desperate. He's using the ring. He's going for this. And you know Bryce was like, no, Bryce did a great job too. Like like I have my qualms with some of AEW's refereeing things where they ever like they make it too obvious that they're the third man. You know, Bryce likes to get in the camera shots. Aubrey likes to get in the camera shots. And then there's other, you know, there's another issue with some of the refs where they just poorly telegraph that they're not going to have a three count or they're out of frame or they're in some cases not checking on the talent to make sure the talent hasn't hurt themselves. 
But Bryce was fantastic that match. I, I hats off to him. The matches, uh, the the Texas Death match between Hangman and Mox was my favorite match, probably going into it, and it lived up to that hype. But like I, you know, I don't agree with Dave Meltzer in the sense of like, oh, like if it's five, you can have more than five stars. But it's very clearly that the Iron Man match, the greatest Iron Man match of all time, match of the night, just beating out. Hangman and uh, and and Mox. Although that match was great, I love that Hangman reminded us all once again why he was, you know, why he why they call him Hangman Adam Page. I thought it was important that it got to that point. You know, I know we did this with with Adam Cole a little bit, um, but you know, his earth feud against Adam Cole. But this felt like more important because there's like a there's a there's a not a disconnect but there's a there's a there's a lack of if you're somebody listening you're like why do they call this guy hangman that's why he's willing to hang a dude to win a match you know uh and that's important and it was pretty kick-ass to do kick-ass much like this week's episode myself trill bro dude mark henry jr of uh fox sports the gambler uh we'll get all that information i'll get that later let's get to it this week we're talking about matt hardy and and mvp going one-on-one in basketball and also their backlash 2008 match uh for the u.s title well it's all right here on the dork side of the ring podcast so (laughs) the reason why i wanted to i wanted to record this part so it's a fun story we're talking about uh you know tom bro dude rest in peace uh to a hilarious hilarious just one of the the greatest Twitter account. Um, yeah, know. definitely. Top, top, uh, it's up there. Top five, at least. And uh, to this day, me, my girlfriend, who is not as chronically online as me, will sometimes go, at Laburn James, you like what you see uh, <laughs> whenever like I'm watching basketball. Uh, but <laughs> So it's very funny when that happens. But one of my favorite stories about – this is very recent, like more recent, uh, you know, Trill Withers – Tyler I am was talking about Tom Brodude on his Patreon show a couple years ago. And somebody in his Patre- in the Patreon Discord was listening and they're like, who the hell is Tom Brody? Because Tr- <laughs> Tyler <laughs> Tom Tom Brodude, I guess fast enough. And we just to this it's one of those things that just is like, hey man, what do you guys think that Tom Brody's doing? Like <laughs> you think he's still looking for Tom Brody? Like, 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 still has no idea. And he thought it was like Oh, he's making fun of Tom Brady. Like, so he's doing, sure he's doing the oh, like Tom Brody, like Laverne James. Like, no, 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 we're talking about Tom Brody. And then I had a nice day in the the Discord of just all the tweets and just be, you know be, before Elon decided that he was gonna you know nuke the entire website. Uh, sure. Oh my God. Yeah, I know. There's so many that are just lost the time and but well. The, the the LeBron James one became its own thing to the point where Kentucky football, I think it was last year, tweeted something. Did you see that? I they, t- I believe it was Kentucky football. Maybe I'm getting this wrong, but they tweeted a picture of a football <laughs> and said, "Do you like what you see?" Like it, it became its own kind of kind of tweet. I feel like it, it came its its own genre of tweet. Um. And uh, yeah, so so even though Tom's account uh, is not around anymore, the the legacy lives on. The influence, the, the influence. But yeah, that's uh, yeah. I, him and Trollballins, the old, the old, the you old know, guard. the old, guard. yeah, the old guard of Twitter. Man, if only, if only they could. I mean, look, 
I'm just saying right now, if if Tom was still, Elon would not stand a chance. He would have <laughs> Michael Pornman would be. He would single-handedly Michael, take it then. <laughs> Michael Pornman would be uh, eradicated from the website anytime. <laughs> Elon would have somebody code to be like, all right, if you ever see this photo of Michael Pornman. <laughs> Get rid of it. I want that automatically deleted off the server. Oh my god. But God, I didn't even think of the potential of Tom versus Elon. It, could, it would be amazing. It would be it would be it would be you know, Kong versus Godzilla. Um <laughs> I don't you know, it's just insane. Uh but no, and then uh, you know, that makes me think about the time, you know, in honor of him, uh the um posting of Michael Pornman to 6ABC to the point where he got where 6ABC erroneously put Michael Pornman in digitally in the seats of the Citizen Bank so good uh, so good and it's just like huh you had to be there I think didn't didn't Michael Pornman make an a, a NBA bubble appearance I feel like there there was something related to that I, I, I think that I that know, was kind of I know there was a Chris Dorner who made a uh, <laughs> <laughs> who made an appearance uh, in in the the bubble, uh, because the internet is uh, unholy. It's an unholy. Yeah, unholy. I know someone did look at one point. Someone did locate Michael Pornman and like found his online presence. Like they found like the guy who was really Michael Pornman, like his real name, and yeah. <laughs> so that he he's an he's an internet star. And he's like, man, how do I capitalize on this? And it's like, buddy, you can't because. <laughs> You have to, like, it's one of those things where, like, cool, you're going viral. You don't want to claim that that's you, though. All the wrong reasons. The wrong yeah, reason. yeah, yeah, exactly. Unless you want to re-up re, re up your uh, adult fantasy uh, career. Yeah, no, we want, I want, I want, no, I want to claim this, and, buddy, like, here's, they're just posting your naked buttocks. Yeah, I was going to say, how do I monetize my own ass? <laughs> Portman was ahead of his time before OnlyFans. Yeah, like he's probably like, damn, I, oh man, if only. If only. Yeah, it's like when we talk about, like, you know, like, oh man, imagine if Jaleel Lokafor was drafted in the 90s. <laughs> 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 like, what if Portman just came around, you know? Rashard Lewis in this NBA? Like, come on. Michael Portman in the OnlyFans era? <laughs> Done. It's a comedy. <laughs> Done. No. Yeah, no, that's 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 another geez. Yeah, no. Uh-uh. No. The amateur porn is going off at you know, Michael Porman didn't get to see it. He missed his window. It's a real sliding doors moment. It's like Mike Bibby on the on the kids, you know? <laughs> uh we're here on the dark side of the ring, not an OnlyFans podcast, uh certainly not uh, a Michael Pornman podcast. Uh, but it is a it's a good time we, we have ourselves today. I've got two great guests. Uh, we the Philly influence is strong. Um, it's it's uh, delusional optimism, as I like to like to fiend on it. Uh, we've got from Fox Sports Philly from uh, the from the tough cover, Mark Henry Jr. Hello, how goes it? Hello, how you doing? Good, good. And on the other side of the digital table, we've got Trill Bro Dude. From the host of You Know Ball, a mostly Sixers podcast. Welcome, right. welcome, friends. Welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm 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 very excited. Um, yeah, no, the, I mean I I don't know if I would call myself a delusional optimist, but uh, Mark 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 might be closer to that end of the spectrum. Whenever we have conversations. <laughs> 
if you want if you want rational conversation, go to Trill. If you want conversation <laughs> about how Nikola Jokic is a fat slob who stat pads all over the place, then we can we can talk about that on the tough cover. <laughs> Look, the, uh, the I go back and forth in between, so it works. You know, today I, today I'm, exactly today I'm very nuanced in that saying like, uh, you know, Jokic is. A really great is is a top three player in the NBA and probably is going to win the NBA tomorrow. I'm right with Mark. I'm saying he's a yeah. fat slob. I'm body shaming him. I'm exactly. Yeah. Cancel Grum for for not supporting his fellow big men. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah. It's yeah, also so- racist of it's also racist of you to admit that. Let's, <laughs> <laughs> as the discourse has proven yeah, today, yeah, it's just like uh, it's like. I don't know. I, I, it's just wild that like the the where that goes. Look, we're gonna get all over the place. I'm sure we're actually. I know for a fact we are go- definitely talking about basketball today. Uh, I have found something perfect for the two of you to join in with me today. But before we do that, I'd like to let my guests introduce us, introduce themselves. So Mark, we'll start with you because alphabetically M comes before T. You have the floor. Let the people know a little bit about you. Yeah, I do mostly gambling stuff. Uh, definitely a lot of NFL draft stuff as well. That's kind of the my two breads and butters, I'd say. Um, and then, you know, I, I go on with Trill sometimes to talk Sixers. And, you know, I, I talk a lot of Sixers on my radio show in general. Um, but that's definitely, you know, gambling and the NFL draft. So that's why when when you hit me up to talk wrestling, or when anyone hits me up to talk wrestling, sometimes there's wrestling roundtables at, at the radio station, uh, Fox Sports, The Gambler. Um, they'll, they'll do them. Sometimes they'll leave me out, and I'm always upset if I get left out of the wrestling conversation because sometimes, because I'm such a gambling nut, because I'm such a draft nerd, I don't think people realize that you know I go to bed watching you know the 1992 Royal Rumble which I have on, on my sweater right here, a nice little, <laughs> nice little Royal I Rumble like sweater. So I, uh, I, I, I think that sometimes I don't tweet enough about my, my wrestling background for people to know that, that I'm even into it. So I, I'm always pumped to talk about it. I've been a fan pretty much my whole life. His dad was one of the most famous wrestlers. So. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no relation, uh, if you couldn't tell, no relation to... <laughs> Uh, to uh, Hall of Famer Mark obvious? Henry. I, I think it's a little obvious, but again, we've already established that, you know, uh, Nikola Jokic is the MVP currently today. So, <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> but uh, where, the, where can the people, speaking of like social media and everything, where can the people find you, Mark? You can find me at Mark Henry Jr. underscore on Twitter. Um, and you can check out at Fox PHL Gambler on Twitter. There's a lot of my stuff's going on over there. And then um, I'm doing some stuff with BGN, Bleeding Green Nation, BGN Radio, uh, The Painted Lines, uh, mostly NFL draft stuff. We have a draft podcast where we're ranking our position groups every week. And my buddy Dibes going nuts with the highlights, like splicing a minute. looks like I'm on like Sports Center on this draft show. Uh, so it, it's pretty cool. I get to just show up and, and spit my, my, nerdist, my nerdist knowledge about the draft. Uh, while they make me look smart with the highlights around it. So, uh, who, that's are the, definitely... who are the Eagles getting at 10? Yeah, What's your ideal pick to, there? I, I think and hope that it's going to be Miles Murphy. I, I've, cro- okay. I've, com- I've completely convinced myself 
that Howie's in love with the trenches and that's going to be the guy. He's falling unjustly. He's my number three overall guy. And it's PFF just dropped him to 22 today where Oof. he's been a top five to 10 prospect pretty much this, this whole way and tested well with what he did do at, at the combine. So I was going to say, he, if I remember, if I remember correctly, maybe I'm off here. Is this, that's the Clemson edge rusher. Yeah. Am I, yeah. Clemson edge, edge rusher. Who's like super athletic, right? <laughs> Yeah, 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 he can play inside, outside, six five. He's got the size to kind of to, to bounce inside. They love to rotate guys, so yeah. I, I think there'll be plenty of snaps to go around. Even if you have Sweat and Reddick, even if you have BG, to be honest. Now he's not he's not the guy who tore his Achilles and then came back in about six months somehow with no 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 like effect at all. Right? No, there was a different Clemson player, right? No, that that's Brian Brzee. That's gotcha. the defensive tackle. Yeah. He was actually like kind of the the whole year during the season, he was the higher ranked player, but they were both in the top 10. And I think it, as soon as the draft nerds really started pouring over the tape, there was a lot that there's, you know, there's a lot to to pick apart there and when you add that with the injury concerns he's had, Brzee has kind of fallen a little bit into being a fringe first rounder. He's a second a second day guy for me. He's I'm not a I'm not a like I don't really college, once the Sixers started being good and I didn't need to pretend to care about college basketball anymore. I stopped like <laughs> watching college sports as much, but I'm like that guy's number 1 on my board because he's not he's not human. He's that dog. You, you, <laughs> He tore his Achilles in like May, and by October he's ready to go, and it's that's insane. Um, but, I've never heard of anything like that before. Yeah, that's and, wild. And probably, meanwhile, you know, the NBA guy blows his Achilles out, and we're like, all right, like he's yeah. back now, right? Yeah, yeah. And, See you in twenty twenty five, Brandon Clark. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, that's cool. I, I like I said, I'm him and Will Anderson. Those are my one and two. Uh, I mean, Will Anderson is not going to be there, but if he's at five, I, 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 I want him. I'll be wherever wherever he goes, I go. Um, Drew, what about you? You, uh, as I said, the host of the uh, You Know Ball, a mostly Sixers podcast. Uh, the floor is yours. Tell the people a little bit about you. Yeah, so uh, if you already know me, it's probably because of trade slop, which is uh, a term that uh, we popularized on the You Know Ball podcast. Um, yeah, so I'm... Obviously, cover the NBA, cover the Sixers. I used to be more of just general Sixers podcast, um, and then it became more of a general NBA podcast. And obviously, I have a new co-host, Sam, who uh, is at NBA Baby Secret. Um, and we do two episodes a week of You Know Ball. We also do streams on playback. Mark has been on a few times, as he said, uh, for Sixers games where we watch the games together uh, with the You Know Ball community. And then, uh, yeah, so... You know, we we talk NBA, we talk mainly transactional stuff. But when uh, when there isn't a lot of that to talk about, we'll talk about all the other stuff that's happening. And then I think the other thing that people know us for is we make fun of Bill Simmons a lot. <laughs> Just like, that's been kind of the thing that has has made us popular. So uh, you know, if part, I guess I guess I would say it's like equivalent to like if uh, you know, Pardon My Take got uh, famous for making fun of, like, all the first takes and the Pardon My Interruption, the Pardon Your Interruptions and stuff like that. We do that, but with NBA podcasts. So if you like that stuff, subscribe to the podcast. And then if you like that, uh, sign up for the Patreon like Grum has. And I appreciate your support. Um, and then in addition to that, I, I don't know if we'll talk about our relationship to wrestling, but I have... A less less knowledge than you guys, obviously, but I do have some connections. Well, we'll start there. Um, again, I uh, before we do, highly recommend it. Love you, no ball. Uh, 
I am a I am a hog myself. I am a <laughs> I'm a nice. I, I, I roll in that slop uh, uh, daily, uh, n- nearly, and it's great. I love it. Uh, also, <laughs> I do love uh, you. You sold yourself a little short. There's it's making fun of Bill Simmons, and talking about what is and what isn't tough. Uh, you know what's not yeah, tough? it's true. Direct. Yeah. <laughs> It's absolutely true. Yeah, the Keith. I always forget about the Keith thing. Those those clips still pop up like occasional. Like I actually, that was probably my mo- our most viral moment. I guess you would say when we first started making fun of Keith and his uh, Keith Pompey, who is a Sixers writer, um, for his ad reads that he did on a show. And then, <laughs> of course, the one that's the most famous is the one where he directly led from a story about 9-11 into a direct tv ad which is uh i mean that was crazy they, they i i i had people reaching out to me that like heard it on like national radio shows and shit like I, I, it was wild how big that clip got that that clip is bigger than anything that i've ever done <laughs> it's so funny to me like as somebody who does a podcast and i edit my podcast and i don't have it on the scale or like the resources that keith has with basically the the like a pseudo official sixers podcast and they're like no one said all right keith redo that part let's not go from talking about 911 yeah to subscribing to direct tv you know what's not tough subscribing to direct tv like well that's the problem with making daily content dude like they don't have enough they didn't uh, they at least have a co-host with him now and i'm sure that that guy edits it um you know yeah so when when it's keith and someone else he's fine when it's keith by himself things can get a little weird hey man the floor is wet look at the wet (laughs) yeah yeah exactly i do like that you have taken that moment and capitalized on it so whenever you plug your patreon uh it is you know what's not tough subscribe to you know ball <laughs> yes it's literally the main image it's not tough at all to subscribe yeah and as somebody who does it i can confirm it's not tough at all so <laughs> uh we were talking about your wrestling experience i like to get my my guests background with professional wrestling and sports entertainment so and i know there's a little story and we're going to pull it out of you if we have to. Maybe. Who knows? Uh, but, yeah, what's your experience with pro wrestling? So I grew up a huge pro wrestling fan probably about to the time I was, like, 12 years old. So 2002, I'm 32, about to turn 33. Let's go. Um, and uh, nice. So so mainly grew up on, you know, the golden era, the 90s, Stone Cold, uh, D-Generation X. By the way, I got a lot of shit from people on one of my playbacks because I called him... Because I called Triple H Triple X, and in my brain they were like, "Oh, what is it, Vin Diesel?" And then I was like, "Okay, first off, Triple H and Degen was in Degeneration X." He was, a yes, exactly. I I wrote, when I was in third grade, I wrote a book about Degeneration X and X Pac. Um, so I have that still at my parents' house. Um, and uh, he that was my favorite growing up. Lo- love love them. And then uh, obviously I. I kind of fell off when I got into my teenage years. I stopped really paying attention, but you know, had like a little bit of a, a a casual following of it. And then more recently, I guess my only connection to wrestling was I worked at a comedy club in New York City called Caroline's on Broadway, which used to host um, Sam Roberts' radio show. He would do live there on Sirius XM. So we would do we had wrestling events a lot. So I have. A few stories of, of that one one time. I don't know if I should just get into it right now. But the most recent the most recent uh, 
you know, experience I had was this must have been 2017, I guess it was. They had so they always had these big names, but I don't follow wrestling anymore, so I didn't know any of them. It was you know, Kevin Owens and all these people. And like, they were all cool. Like I was, I worked with them on like a few different things. And then there's this one time <laughs> I, I was actually walking out of Caroline's. And uh, as you can see, I have very long hair. I've always pretty much had long hair. And I hear an old, older dude, a uh, bald guy. And uh, I walk by him and from behind, from behind, he can see me, and he goes, "Hey, you bum! What are the the barbers out of town in the in this city? Get a haircut!" And I turned around, and it's Paul Heyman, who I didn't know who he was. I had no idea who he was, and I'm like, "Excuse me!" I just thought it was a random guy, and I'm like, and they're like, "Oh no, that's his thing." He thought I was a guy that worked on the production team. And he thought he was one of his, like, guys that he knew. And he was, like, so, like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. You weren't who I thought you were. But they were, like, you just got roasted by Paul Heyman. That's actually, like, an honor. Yeah, and I was, like, okay, cool. And then I found out who he was and shit, so. That's, that's yeah, no. Paul Heyman is a is an interesting dude. Like, he could have done anything with his life. Like, he had, yeah. like, he was basically club promoting in the 80s. And, like, mm. I forget what club it was. It was a big club, like, Studio sixty six. Thank you. I I was drawing I, I was drawing the blank on the name, but he basically could have just parlayed that into just being a club promoter and making his entire. And he's like, I want to do pro wrestling. Like, I'm just gonna go sneak into shows and be like, Hey, how do I get? You know, I want to do this, and then fall into like being friends and like a, a a student of the game with some of the greatest managers of all time, and then promote it. He was like, Look, I'm gonna put. Bam Bam Bigelow and some schmuck mm. in the middle of Cl Studio 66, and they're going to wrestle, and that is going to be an event, and people are going to come out, and I'm going to get everybody here to come out for it, and it was a big success, and they're like, wait a second, who are you? And then he just... It, his documentary, I, I don't know if his documentary is on Peacock, but his documentary is unbelievable. I, I, Paul Heyman, I'm a, I'm a huge ECW mark, mm. so Paul Heyman's like a like a god. Well, me. let's get into it then, Mark. What, <laughs> funny enough, Mark, <laughs> what is your experience with pro wrestling and sports entertainment? Yeah, so I'm actually I'm 26. Um, so what I grew up on, technically, what was on TV was the ruthless aggression era. That that's kind of you know oh oh two. I can kind of remember what my the first event i can remember watching on tv was wrestlemania 18 with rock and hogan uh, i remember watching the rematch the next year and then i remember uh, wrestlemania 20 those are kind of like tent pole events of my childhood um but the i was watching live but the the main way i was consuming was my older cousins was were giving me these vhs's of here watch uh 1998 king of the ring watch you know mick foley fall off the cell like here watch uh you know uh, Shawn Michaels and, and Razor Ramon in the ladder match at WrestleMania 10. Like they, we were tape trading basically among cousins as, as kids. Um, so that's kind of how I got into, and my favorite stuff, and it seems like everyone's favorite stuff was the nineties or mm -hmm. the late nineties, the attitude era. And, you know, even the new generation era of the nineties, I've, you know, went back and chronologically watched all that era and listened to all these pods. And I I'm so addicted to wrestling podcasts in terms of all, all the, all the Conrad Thompson podcasts, yeah. the lapsed fan. There's, there's a lot of podcasts that I listen to um, that cover old shows. And uh, so that that's definitely my current relationship. And I watch um, 
you know, pretty regularly at this point. I went to WrestleMania at MetLife a, a few years ago. I've actually, it's funny, um, my fiance, I, she, you know, she, she doesn't hate sports or anything. Like, I, I wouldn't say she hates, she likes going to Sixers games. She likes the Sixers. But she's actually gotten into WWE more than she's gotten into any of the other any of the other sports that I cover and watch because she used to watch Total Divas and so that that has kind of allowed me now to watch a lot more wrestling <laughs> since she's always down to watch the pay-per-views so uh, th that's definitely a nice positive but I uh, yeah I I love wrestling I watch the old stuff constantly I I don't I wouldn't say I watch Raw and SmackDown every week. Uh, I kind of follow through. Like, I, I record it, and if I hear there's a segment I need to go watch, I kind of go skip through it. Same with AEW. And mm -hmm. it's kind of just checking on my favorites. So, uh, and funny, funny kind of reference to what Trill said about Caroline's on Broadway. My fiance that I mentioned is named Caroline. So when, when we go to New York City, I always point out that I'm like, wrestlers always are in there. Like, I was like, I'm always like Dolph Ziggler, like those shows there. Like, Dolph Ziggler's like my. Probably my one of my all-time, you know, Matt Rushmore favorites. So, oh yeah, well when I worked there, Dolph was like our white whale of comedians we were trying to book for those years, and we could never get him to get booked. And then apparently, when I left, he did shows there. Um, yeah, more recent, but they're closed now. They actually just closed recently. Oh, wow. So R.I.P. to oh, Caroline's on Broadway. Yeah, yeah they yeah. closed. Uh, I I reached out to some people that I knew that they closed like three or four months ago. Oh wow. Yeah. Oh, wow. I mean, they made yeah. it through the. And that's got to suck because they're like, they made it through the pandemic. Yeah, like, exactly. The hardest thing, you're like, all right, we should be. But it's just, that's. No, wrestling was like our biggest pull. Like, other than like when we got like huge name comedians, which was here and there, mm. wrestling was honestly keeping that place alive for a while because, I mean, it's kind of like pod podcasting. I mean, just having a content creation following. Uh, with the basketball stuff, like wrestling, people are very dedicated. Like, like that—that's one thing they they will show up, they will spend their money, and that's unlike a lot of different industries that might have a lot of people that follow it, but they're just all casuals. They're yeah. they're hardcore wrestling fans in a way that I think that people don't really uh, <laughs> really can't wrap their brain around until you throw events and you see how many people show up on a Tuesday afternoon at 1 p.m. You're like, like we would sell out 300 people on a Tuesday at 1 p.m. I'm like, how does this happen? It's, it is. I love, I love telling people who, who have no scope or understanding of pro wrestling, like those type of things of being like, look, like as much as you love, like, you know, let's I'll, like as much as you love anime, as love as you as much as you love like My Hero Academia or you know or Bleach or Dragon Ball Z or whatever. Like pick pick a, it will never reciprocate that love. Like you will never you sure you might hear the voice actors or the animators reciprocate love and appreciation, but there's like a, a level to it where I've often said pro wrestling is the last true form of Shakespearean theater. It, I was when Mark was saying that about his uh, fiance or I'm sorry yeah. girlfriend or yeah, um, I was thinking the same exact thing. It is it is the last kind of like just like piece of modern theater that we have that is like has its own like massive like worldwide following. Yeah, and because it, like you said, it's worldwide because every everywhere in the world has wrestling. It is it is. Gladi it is gladiators going at war, but it's also superheroes. Like it is larger than life characters at its at its best and purest form. It is larger than life characters who you go, damn, 
like, man, like, I know humans are really, really athletic, and, and but there's no reason that somebody is this athletic, but also able to communicate this, right? Like, with, sure. like with NBA, like, you see players, and, like, LeBron James is, is one of the most gifted athletes of all time. He's, he's the size he is and the athleticism he is, one of a kind. The guy is not entertaining the people the same way that like a Brock Lesnar is doing it or a John yeah. Cena. And it's like, because he just had LeBron, that's not his primary focus because he's a basketball player and he's just himself outside. And we find it entertaining when he says that his son is NBA ready or he's gone off the wire. <laughs> Better than. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Actually on my next episode, I got to figure out who he was talking about when he tweeted right. that based on the games. Gotta, last gotta be Grant Williams. Gotta be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Free throws. Robbie Callen broke it down and and kind of just like listed down of the players that were playing. Yeah, well, he he listed like here were the hundred players that played. I'll go to Robbie's article and then I'll be like, all right. Well, he obviously was not talking about Joel Embiid. He took Joel yeah. Embiid first in the altar. Yeah. yeah, and and just speaking on that. So basically, the only kind of modern athlete that is outside of this theater entertainment world uh, that really can compare is uh, the next great stand up comedian, Tom Brady. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I mean, what's, what's the deal? People like, hate when you kiss your son on the lips. <laughs> hey, what's the? Have you ever, have you ever like you know kissed your son on the lips and he still had you know some spinach from dinner on in, in his teeth still, and then it ends up on your lips? Weird, right? And meanwhile, the whole crowd's going, like, "Yeah, <laughs> who can relate?" <laughs> the one guy. Very relatable like, comedy. I can. I can. It's like uh, I wouldn't have admitted that, my guy. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, but no, like it, there's, there's an element of like athletes, traditional sport athletes who are charismatic and you're like, yeah, they're great. Like Jalen Hurts is charismatic. Joe Burrow is charismatic. We're like, they're persona, there's a persona and an aura to them off the field. Whereas like in pro wrestling, they have to have that at all times. Like it's very, you know, spoken about, I know Mark, you listen to the Conrad Thompson uh, podcast a lot. But you always hear guys talk about they had to have the airport factor. They had to stand out in an airport when to make people stop and go, who the fuck is that? Because you're like, oh, hey, you're in an airport. I'm not there to meet people. I'm there to get on my flight and go. But if I if you can make somebody stop in an airport, you are a star. Like currently, like Jade Cargill is my go to of like you see a picture of Jade Cargill and you're like, who is she? Where is she? What what does she do? Like she. It's in, she's a star. So, like, but in the NBA, like, or, ba I mean, not baseball, never mind, because they're wearing hats all the time, so no one needs it. But, like, <laughs> you see these guys and you know who they are, so you don't need the aura as much because of who they are. But, like, you don't get that love back. Like, you go up to LeBron James, Joel Embiid, you go up to, uh, you know, Spencer, not Spencer Halls. Uh, <laughs> don't go up to Spencer Halls. You're going to say Spencer Dinwiddie. Yeah, was unless yeah. Yeah, unless yeah. you're in red state, don't go up to Spencer <laughs> yeah, Halls. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, like you go up to like Seth Curry, you go up to like, you know, anybody in the NBA and say, hey, I love you. You know, great game last night. You know, like my kid loves you and everything. And they're like, oh, yeah, thanks and everything. You go up to a wrestler. You go up to Dolph Ziggler. You go, hey, I, hey, Dolph, I love you. And you're like, hey, man, hey, appreciate it. Hey, what? And then they start to have a little conversation back that even though they're probably eating or something, the way that the business is, they need you to still love them. You, They need you. So it, they need to reciprocate it. Because love that goes on un, un, unreciprocated 
is lost. So for them, they don't want to they don't want to lose that. So hey, all right, cool, yeah, I'll, I'll I'll sign your thing, take a picture with you, listen to you tell a story about how your kid wanted me to lose and cried because I won, like or you know your dad watched me and like all the, whatever stories and those things are just creates a bond that is unique to, to pro wrestling. And then you saw Trill with like. People are willing to be. Like, yeah, I I don't I get seven twenty five an hour. I don't care. I'll buy a hundred dollar seat ticket to yeah. Caroline's on a Tuesday morning <laughs> afternoon. Like yeah, and unless you have long hair and you run into Paul Heyman, <laughs> though, <laughs> I, I'm never gonna get over that. That's great. I, I'm sure somebody's gonna like wait. So they fried his ass. They fried him. They fried him. It's like yes, they they did. Yeah, um, got him to be fried by Paul Heyman. It's bucket list stuff. Exactly. It's like getting roasted by Jeff Ross. <laughs> exactly. You're like, oh, Who's actually very nice to me, which complete opposite. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, most of the, look, you, I, I'm a firm believer that like in pro wrestling, the worst bad guys are the best people. Because yeah. they're just like, I'm just going to be the antithesis of who I am. And sure. like, I'm just, and it's the nice guys who are dicks like Hulk Hogan, like, Oh yeah. Like I love Hulk Hogan. He's a, he's my, Dude's a racist off the day. He's a dickhead. Yeah, sure. <laughs> you know, like, well, Kogan was a very good heel, though. He also was because he was just being himself, brother. Yeah, uh, exactly. <laughs> it doesn't work for me. Brother. Young Randy Orton. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's another boy. Yeah, young Randy Orton was uh, beloved as a babyface and and just a, an absolute dickhead uh, until, I mean, I, I there's still elements of him being a dickhead, um, but yeah. So like that's the you know it's a. It's a beautiful thing, the relationship between fans of pro wrestling and the actual people performing, because it's like a symbiotic, like they need each other. Um, although the pandemic proved that that's not necessarily the case, but still. Um, but yeah, so Mark, super fan, got off or got on around the time that uh, that Trill got off of the train. And so it's good. This is good. I like I like the. I like having somebody who's like, oh, I kind of stayed away. You know, I fell out of love with it. or And I also love the people who are like, I'm fucking addicted to it. And I'm just like smashing up like candies. Like, yeah, all right. Give me some more. Give me some more wrestling content. Um, today's topic, something up both of your wheelhouses, I think. But before we get to that, if you could take, say you have the ability to actually perform comparable to the average NBA player, right? Who do you, who's who's the best player you think you could have you could beat if you were an average NBA player in a game of one on one? Oh my god! All baskets are one point, so you got to make eleven baskets. So hold on, I need to. I, I yeah. you need to flesh this out okay. more. All right, because I need to imagine a world where I'm not the worst. <laughs> Like I'm basically, I always say like pickup game wise, I, I was PJ Tucker before PJ Tucker was PJ Tucker. Same, like same I was thing. like corner threes, hustle rebounds, trying really hard on defense. Can't dribble a basketball yeah, kind of guy. I was, the, so. I was the post version of that. I was, I was gotcha. you know, six, two in, in high school. So like, yeah, I, I, offensively, I get the rebound, put it back up. We're fine. That's how I got all sure. the points. I averaged 20 and 10 in rec league because I was six two, and the next tallest guy was five eleven. So there you, yeah, you that's know. yeah. <laughs> I was know. TJ McConnell. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, I was gonna say, <laughs> I was gonna say yeah, right, TJ so, McConnell, so. the hustle guy. You got great coffee, TJ McConnell. Maybe a little dirtier than TJ though. Mm, maybe. Uh, so I'll throw, I'll throw a bell. Oh wow! All right, so so Grayson Allen. Hey, <laughs> hey, you know, 
I, 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 I don't think I've been. Uh, I don't think I've been a tripper before. I think <laughs> tripping is a little worse. Like I, I think I embellish the contact, or I. You know, oh, like, ah. gotcha. Yeah, maybe a little more smart than yeah, a puppy more dog. Smart yeah. Than that one. Okay. All right. I, 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 good. Mark is smart. Solid. None of the, with none of the skills though. None like, of the with skills. None of the with none of like the like. That's like, craft and. Uh, all right. Okay. So, you are. You are the best version of yourself in a pickup game, but in the NBA level. So for you, Trill, you are PJ Tucker. Tucker. Sure. For Mark, you are Marcus Smart or TJ McConnell or Grayson Allen. Somewhere in that scale, those are three wildly different skills, I think. <laughs> I think I think that, you know, TJ, as much as I love him, uh, is the worst of the three, uh, but not by much compared to Grayson. But like you one on one with your now recognized abilities, maybe not who you think you can be, because then that's a question of like, all right, well, who does PJ Tucker or these guys? Who do you want to beat one on one? So wanting to beat someone is different. I, yeah. I think if logically, I actually just had this conversation the other a few weeks ago because we were talking. If all points are equal, all points are one point. Yes. If you're PJ Tucker, if you're the PJ Tucker equivalent. You got to just pick the smallest guard you can and then just post them up every possession, right? Like, that's that's the only way. Like, so PJ Tucker. <laughs> I was going to, well, if current players, you would go like Bones Highland okay. or some shit. You know what I mean? Like, you would go someone that, like, not only is smart, is smaller than you and doesn't, can't create the advantage of just chucking threes the whole game. And then you go, oh shit, like, why well, lose? Because they're just going to beat me off the bat. Like, he can't, he's, you're not going to be able to get a rant. Like we're, we're assuming PJ Tucker. I'm the PJ Tucker. That's still like pretty adequate defensively. <laughs> like, yeah. like you know, he, he's been fine recently, but like on the whole, um, who's the player I would want to beat the most. Uh, there, I, I actually like, I, I'm, I swear to God, I really don't hate that many players. Um, Mark, you go through your pick and then I'll come up with mine for this. Cause I'm, I, I kind of, find myself not really hating players as much as other like I guess beating like a Trey Young would be really satisfying. Because yeah. Trey Trey can be a little bit of a a brat. Um and it would be a lot of fun to beat. But I can't imagine a world where PJ Tucker beats Trey Young one on one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like my answer doesn't make sense to answer like who I could be. Like the mm -hmm. TJ McConnell like I, I don't know who TJ yeah. McConnell's beating one on one. <laughs> uh, that's that's a tough a tough matchup but who i'd want to be yeah trey would be on the list um i've, I've kind of softened on my hate for trey i think only because so many people hate him now that it's yeah. not like i like this is kind of stupid but like i was a big luca guy um in his draft so um I, draft draft takes are like my bread and butter in terms of that's kind of how i root for or against players and i was out on trey i didn't think he could defend at the nba level i didn't have him in my top 10 i was wrong but I still think well, you were right. He can't defend at the NBA level. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's just so good on offense. Like what, yeah, I, I didn't think he'd be so good on offense that it overcomes that. But I, I do think I don't know if you're winning anything with Trey Young at this point. But anyway, like when he, when it was at a point where it was like, ooh, I see, you know, he's better than Luca. You know, who got the the better end of that deal? Like I hated Trey so much. But now that everyone kind of hates him, it's kind of like ah, you know, I don't really care anymore. Yeah. Um. I feel like so, I'm a defender I, now, if anything. Mm -hmm. Yeah, same here, actually. I think he's, like, kind of getting disrespected at this point. Yeah. Um, but 
I mentioned it on my radio show with Trill. I'm very annoyed with Damian Lillard. Like, uh, someone just get Chris Haynes away from him. Uh, like, stop telling people how much you love Portland. Nobody cares. Like, not a solitary soul on the planet cares that you love Portland at this point, Dame. Uh, but my least, it makes no sense because TJ is like a, a foot shorter or whatever. But mm-hmm. Al Horford's my least favorite. You know, yes, that's a good one. one. Yeah, six or seven. I, I I swear to God, people people were making fun of me on the playback the other night for hating on Al Horford, and I was like, you know what? I just think he's the fakest person in the NBA. I just I think the whole persona is fake. I don't think he's really this like good guy that like I was like, I'm sorry. I I just I don't buy it at all. I think he's annoying. Yeah, exactly. You can't have Anna Horford as your sister and be not the most insufferable person. It's not normal for an adult brother and sister to be that close. Don't read anything into it. It's totally normal. I uh, Al Horford's a great one. In the same vein of that, I'm going to go with Dylan Brooks. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Because Dylan Brooks... So... There was a poll on Twitter many years ago of if you could score on Harrison Barnes or not. Uh, I was feeling my oats that day, and I voted yes, I would be able to score on Harrison Barnes. I I couldn't score on Harrison Barnes. I could sk- you know score on Dylan Brooks because Dylan Brooks does this thing every time he's playing basketball where he just forgets that he's playing basketball, and he just completely becomes a nothing. And it's just like... Hey, uh, Dylan, the ball's supposed to go in the hoop, you dribble the ball, and you pass yeah. it, right? And then on defense, you stand in front of your guy. And he does this thing at least for a three-minute stretch every time I have, I have watched Dylan Brooks. He just forgets. I think I can score a basketball in real life. If you make me an average NBA player, I'm giving him – it's 11 to 2. I'll give him two points. That's it. Man, it's so much nicer not live not, streaming. Like, uh, I'm used to live streaming everything, so I'm like, yeah, I'm live with FCC Airwaves. <laughs> yeah, I didn't, honestly, I always forget that when I come on your show, dude. Like, I swear, one time I'm just. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know how I haven't. Like, it's it, kind it's of amazing. So like, yeah, yeah. If it wasn't like, apparent uh, when I cursed cursing is allowed i need to put that in a little pamphlet when i send that link of like hey like <laughs> cursing is allowed uh encouraged yeah cur- encouraged in fact um but we're, uh all right technical difficulties aside did you mark did you hear who i had picked no okay i picked dylan brooks uh because yeah, yeah i think i can score on him in real life so if you give me nba average nba talent i think i could beat him 11 to 2 um <laughs> and uh i'm i'm gonna I'm dog walking him and I'm talking about it the entire time. Like, I just, I don't, man, I don't like, like, I'm like, I'm like you. I don't hate a lot of players. I may hate like a, like a contingent of like, you know, fans who really love that player. Uh, like Trey Young, I used to, I kind of like with my world, I'm like, I just still don't believe in Trey Young as like sure. the best player on a championship, but he's still a good player. Like he's having sure. a bad year and he's still having, you know, objectively good, good numbers except for shooting. Um, and, but like Dylan Brooks is just like uh, my least favorite player. And by, a which is so part- funny because I feel like Dylan Brooks is the closest thing that we have to a wrestling heel in the NBA. Oh yeah. yeah. Does he not? Like, I, I mean, yeah. like he, he dresses up. He think- like, just like says like weird off the cuff things. He looks like a guy that would be a wrestling heel. The entire Memphis hey. Grizzlies are the heel because yeah, he- 
you just want that. They just talk so much. You're like, shut up, lose. Like, yes. <laughs> like, shut up and lose. What were you going to say, Mark? Maybe I'm a hater, but I feel like Jimmy is such a heel. Like, oh, maybe it's to me. Maybe I wouldn't feel like that if I was a fan of, like, the Trailblazers. But, like, he's just, you know, it's like, I work harder than you. And, you know. Yeah, that's you know, true. DJ, it's just like. That's a good one, yeah. The Tobias Harris thing last year when he uh, essentially, like, just, like, made up. Like, <laughs> I, I always talk about, like, I talk about Jimmy Butler as a persona. Like, mm-hmm. is, like, one of the greatest. And, and Jimmy's an amazing player. Don't get me wrong. He's one of the. I think, if anything, he's underrated. Like, I think that when you get into a playoff series, there's very few guys you'd rather have than Jimmy Butler. But. He has created the this mythology of who he is as a person, yeah. And lar- it is largely created on the things you're talking about—the hardworking persona, the essentially like pull yourself up by your bootstraps mentality—and then also like rewriting history with the Tobias Harris thing, which is like not what happened at all, but everyone just accepts it as fact because he says it. And I'm like screaming like this: we did not. Pick him over. We had money to sign both of them. This is completely illogical. Yeah, we picked Brett Brown and Ben Simmons over. If we're being, if we're doing it, hey, it was either yeah. or. The Sixers yeah. office and you know, front office and ownership picked Brett Brown and Ben Simmons over Jimmy and, Butler. Like, and by the way, everyone would have made that decision at the time. Like, it's I know revisionist history. It looks terrible, and you you know, it looks like such a terrible decision. Jimmy Butler also refused to shoot here. Like, yeah. Jimmy Butler yeah. wasn't shooting, and we needed him to shoot if he was going to be here. Obviously, yeah. the wrong decision, 100%. But it was more about Ben over Jimmy when Jimmy clearly didn't love it here and didn't want to shoot, which you needed your guy next to mm. next to Joel to do. I mean, I'll argue this every day, that James Harden has been a much better sixer than Jimmy Butler was. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, is that... The the uh, the what Jimmy has become since he went to Miami, yeah. as great as he is, I I don't think that there's a better context for what he who he is and what he wants to be than Miami. Culture, I, baby. I don't think that he would have been maximized here in the same way. Now the Sixers might have been able to win just on the sheer talent of Joel Embiid and Jimmy Butler, but I don't think the maximization of either of them would have been done in the same way that you could argue that Harden maximizes Embiid as a play finisher. And I remember explaining to, uh, I have a friend who's a Nets fan and we were going back and forth and he's like, look, like he's not going to be good for you. Harden's playing bad for you. He's like, he's not, you think he's going to be as good as Jimmy Butler was for you. And I'm like, stop right there. And I went and got the numbers off basketball reference. I said, who's who? Because their numbers are identical. And he's like, yeah, He's like, no, like, no, no, that one's clearly Jimmy. And I'm like, no, like, that's that one was Harden. Harden's a better, you know, is actually shooting. He's actually, you know, you know, making plays offensively outside of the fourth quarter. Like, that was Jimmy's thing. It was like, get him to the fourth yep. quarter. He's yeah, good. the closer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which Embiid yeah. has basically taken that role. So obviously that's a Butler influence. Which defensively, Jimmy's a way better player. But oh, yeah, it, but, yeah. but but you can but but, but the, the ma- thing but the like you were saying the 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 match for. Sure. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because you get, if I'm, you want to maximize Joel, yeah, I'm not even necessarily saying that Harden's better than Butler right now. I, I don't, I don't know if you sure. can make that argument. Even I think you could, but I, I I'm not going to make that argument. It's more so just about Sixer in, in relation to how Jimmy played as a Sixer and in relation to how Harden right. has played as a Sixer. Yeah. Exactly. But yeah, so like, I, it's it's funny because now I'm like I'm trying to think of like other like who else are are 
actual heels. Like everybody, every fan base has their heel. You know, D'Angelo like, Russell is he a heel? I don't know if like the I, I, I jobber. Yeah, I, I was. <laughs> <laughs> He's had a very expensive jobber, but yes, yeah, a jobber. Like the Miz. <laughs> Well, whoa, I was whoa, the reason why whoa. I thought of him. He's not a jobber. No, that's not fair. That's not fair to call. But at this point, I think we, like, the Miz got to the main event a couple of years ago. What was that? Two years ago? He's, three years ago? Bro, now? The fact that I, I almost, I almost thought about booting you from the call again because, because <laughs> the Miz is the only two-time Grand Slam champion in WWE history, and you want to sit there and compare him to D'Angelo hey. Russell, who is a two-time Laker. That's it. That's all he's got. That's two-time. What about Rudy Gobert? The Miz and Dolph Ziggler had one of my favorite matches of all time. Uh, the the yeah, retirement man. match for Dolph, the one yeah. ladder match as well. So I respect the Miz, but I feel like how they use the Miz at this point is to like put over other young guys. That's kind he, of what he is at this point. He's like he's like second run Elton Brand. Like he you bring him in and he's just to make <laughs> yeah, sure that yeah. there's a locker room leader. So your star drafted player who's redundant and doesn't do well doesn't go driving 100 on the Tacconi. uh yeah you so send him to the pr stuff yeah like the celebrity exactly. all-star you know, game yeah yeah um but rudy gobert's a good heel like a good call for heel like a lot of people hate him he's I, him being in the obscure nothingness that is minnesota has kind of like dwindled his heel power a bit because it's just like hold on wait don't don't say that before we play them tonight please <laughs> But this is a, this, I have good, this goes out after we play them, so this is either going so to what? Be really edit good. that out just yeah, in if case. If we lose, it's not going in. If we win, it's going to stay in. Uh. I've got you know the I think they play that game at bar, so it's like, am I the asshole? Hmm. Well, I've got a game here that's who's the heel, Luca or Devin Booker? Who's the heel? Ooh, who's the baby oh, that's a good face? one. Like, oh, I'm stealing. I, let me go write that down. I'm stealing that idea. I that's think Devin Booker's the heel. I don't think you can get embarrassed in Game Seven. Losing like ninety-two to thirty-seven at one point in Game Seven at home when your team won like sixty-seven games or however many games, and sure. then talk shit when you win a game in February or March or whatever the next year. There's two different kinds of heels going yeah. on here. Yeah, it's because be you have you you have you have to me the I, I find the Phoenix Suns to be like the hall monitor heels, which are like the they're doing the wrong thing. Look at them, whatever. Like like Chris Paul, Devin Booker have very much that energy of like. And then Luca's more like the cocky jock, spoiled brat kind of, mm-hmm. uh, kind of like generational wealth kind of <laughs> heel, like where like he was just born with all this talent and like didn't have to work for anything and just was like the best player at eighteen years old in the second best league in the world. Came in head and shoulders above everyone else at his rookie class. Has has just basically been smoking and drinking and doing whatever the fuck he wants, and he's still so fucking good because he started at such a high level of just like it's same thing that a generational wealth person would and the same thing that a guy that's just has a bunch of natural talent would so those are the two those are the two kinds of heels that we're dealing with it's which which one do you despise more they're both quite annoying i would i would say so i'm gonna workshop this idea mark this is a great this is a great idea for for (laughs) it's definitely like who's the heel and who's the face in this like who what's the like i think i think Luca is the heel in this because there is more of an emotion for Luca than there is for Devin Booker. If you like, it's very much like Luca, you love Luca or you hate Luca. Whereas with Booker, it's like you either hate Devin Booker 
or he's just some guy on the Phoenix Suns. Like he doesn't have yeah. like, that star. Uh, I don't know. I I, I kind of think that there's an. I think that Luca, or I'm sorry, I think David Booker's fastly becoming part of the uh, Kyrie bucket getting real Hooper, but like because aesthetically he has a really nice game. Also, Devin Booker, as much as he can be a little bit of a whiny brat himself, he did work really hard to improve his game and get to the point. Like Devin Booker was, you know, a role player at Kentucky and grew himself and you know part of that is coach cal not knowing how to use talent (laughs) but another part of that is like people doubted him early in his career empty numbers like not a real impact on winning and he has made himself into one of the 12 best basketball players alive uh whereas luca you know as amazing as luca is i feel like a lot of luca's like we knew from his first season we knew from before his first season he was basically the best guy that we've seen since like LeBron arguably yeah. so so the uh, you know the the analysts were wrong about that but draft yeah. people smart draft people who knew knew that this guy was going to be the next kind of hardened type guy and uh yeah so it once again starting on third base versus starting on second base I guess yeah, <laughs> yeah it's tough because it's like they both have some good teal, heel tendencies, but both also have like some really strong face ones. Where like you know you talk about Devin Booker building himself up, becoming who he is, very much a babyface thing. Luca, people just like a guy who is good at what he does, and he also he's he drinks and he he's very much like that attitude era babyface. Where sure he's not actually a good guy, but god damn it, you want to be him. You want to be able to just not try at work and be celebrated. Like, whereas with Devin Booker, he's got to try and he, and he is, and he's been celebrated for it. I think, I think Luca, he's got a, Luca's got a fuck you energy is what I would say. And I think that makes him Austin. I think he's got a little bit more. He's the heel in that. If you, you would want to, if the two of them are going together, I I feel like just one-on-one, it's tough because you hate the Suns because Chris Paul and everything Robert Sarver related stuff and DeAndre Ayton going, I, I don't really want to be here. So I'll just collect the It's like, there's things, there's elements around Devin Booker that drag him to being a heel, but one-on-one, I think you're just like, you want to, you want one of them to win. You're not sure. And you're going to play it, let it play out for a little bit. But I think I did. I have to say watching the Suns get embarrassed last year, Oh, was a lot of fun yeah. as a neutral fan. Yes. I, I thought that was really fucking funny after the way that they talked for for months. Winter, but Winter's I love yeah, exactly. I I just love Kevin Durant so much that I know that he at one point was a heel. But I think that I've, as Sam, my podcast co-host, always says, the most relatable superstar in the NBA. Like like insecure. Uh, you know, uh, loves to be, he's addicted to Twitter. <laughs> it's gonna, doesn't let anyone tell him what to do. Like, yeah. So that, 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 that's, that's part of, that's now another added layer on top of all this with the KD Kyrie stuff. So I think, I think I'm thinking about it. Yeah. Devin's probably the heel. Cause you still want, you want Luca doesn't like Brad, like Luca is naturally talented. He has the born on third energy, but he also doesn't like flaunt it. Whereas like Devin Booker is like, I I'm self-made. I did this. I did this. Winners work. Winners keep working. And you're just like, Oh man, I just want to see Luca. Don't double team me. Don't like, you're just like, meanwhile, Luca, he's not even working out in the off season. He's 
going partying. He's he's sitting on a beach yeah. in some Europe European country that you don't know about. You're like, where the, where the <laughs> so rich guys? Yeah. Like, Luca's Luca's in a hookah bar in the summer while Devin yeah. Booker is whining in an LA fitness about getting double teamed by Joakim Noah. Yeah, Lu- Luca's uh, Luca's hanging out with Bond villains. He just doesn't know those yeah. Bond villains. Yeah. There was a famous post from a guy on Twitter. His name's Celtics Riley. And it was exactly what you're talking about right now, where it was like, it was uh, Luca in the offseason at the hookah bar, like drinking, smoking, whatever. And then it was Jason Tatum at, you know, FIBA or whatever and working out. And it was like, what, you know, you, you basically, you can only achieve greatness by, you know, fucking working hard and whatever. And I was like, I never thought I would see a Celtics fan. <laughs> defending, defending a black guy over a white guy, <laughs> and it's like, look at this! <laughs> this, this, this is an amazing, amazing twist. Amazing yeah, twist. No, uh, absolutely. Uh, meanwhile, he's he, right underneath that is a tweet about how Kyrie stomping on Lucky uh, was an act of war against uh, <laughs> the Irish people. It's my people. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, look here. We gotta be. We're lucky that the Irish are just an just have an island and are being suppressed by the the Brits many many years ago. <laughs> Otherwise, that's an act of war, and the Empire of Ireland would would wage war against us for that. It's like exactly dog. It's it's paint. Like it's just it's not even paint. It's it's, it's I, like I I mean it's it's tape. Sometimes I don't know. It's fucking too expensive for me. What a fun controversy that was. It was. It was. But. Uh, speaking of controversy, uh, it's not a good one. Anyways, uh, we, we've got uh, our topic today. Like I said, it's fitting for you too. And then one-on-one basketball and who the heel is and everything. We're going to go back in time a little bit. We're going to go to August of 2007. So, Mark, you might be putting some pieces together here. In the August of two, in the summer of 2007, there was the MVP, Montel Vontavious Porter, was the U.S. champion? He was proud. He was he was very loud. He was the the he was the most expensive free agent in WWE history. Like that's his whole gimmick. That he was very much just came in and was like, I'm you know uh, I'm the quintessential like NBA ballers, but come to life. And he found himself in a rivalry with the humble and fan favorite Matt Hardy over the U.S. title. And Matt Hardy simply said, "I can beat you at whatever, and I would like that U.S. title and." MVP uh-huh. would say no, 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 not not today. Well, eventually MVP they, they they found he had a heart condition and it needed to be settled before he could actually wrestle again. But they didn't want to take him off TV, so Matt Hardy and MVP would try to one up each other in various contests: pizza eating contests, weightlifting contests, boxing. But one of the more famous ones is a one on one contest on SmackDown. They played. First to 11, all baskets to one. It's MVP versus Matt Hardy. We're going to watch that. We're also going to watch Matt Hardy take on uh, MVP at Backlash 2008 after he came back from a ruptured appendix. And uh, they battle for the U.S. title, the payoff of this feud. So we're going to watch that. We'll be right back here on the Dork Side of the Ring. Hey, everybody. Just wanted to take a break from this great talk uh while they're while we're in the past watching stuff we're going to talk about what's coming to the dork side of the ring patreon the grum patreon support.grum.tv this weekend we're going to have some 
uh, we're having early access to a video I just recorded today. As I'm recording this, I'm doing a tiering of all the main events from WrestleManias, from WrestleMania 1 to 38, which is about 41 or so. We're going to do that. It's going to be up there, uh, early access as well, as well as exclusive, exclusive access to a uh, watch-along from episode 67, the uh, Lions Den match between myself, It's Only Jill, and JoJo Says Bree, talking about the Lions Den match between Owen Hart and Ken Shamrock from SummerSlam 1998. All that and more, as well as uh, work. I'm actually going to put a little behind-the-scenes stuff, what I'm working on for the Sami Zayn project I'm working on. Uh, to have hopefully out in the next week or two. Hopefully, hopefully you don't have it there, but all that, support.grum.tv for as low as a dollar, you can help support the podcast, you can help support me, you can also continue to do that by leaving a five-star review and a rating on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and liking and subscribing and commenting on the YouTube episodes of this at youtube.com slash at of the ring. I will see you guys after the rest of this more. Let's get back to the episode. We're back here on the dork side of the ring. We just watched the one-on-one game uh, we wa- between MVP and Matt Hardy, and we watched MVP and Matt Hardy for the U.S. title at Backlash 2008. Mark, your first impressions of what we watched? Yeah, it was like uh, it was a, it was a mid-card match, you know that. But I, I did actually at the time it was one of the better stories going on. And it kind of because of what you mentioned with the injury, it played out over a long period of time, and they had all these you know non-wrestling segments, and then they did they win the tag belts together? They did. They so when at the the week after the one-on-one against Deuce and Domino, they beat Deuce and Domino for the world title for the world the WWE tag team titles and had them until. I guess about November, December of 2007. So for a couple months there. Yeah, I was, it was a well-built story. And, you know, obviously you had the moment at WrestleMania and then Backlash, you have a match. It's kind of good storytelling. Do I care that much about it? No, because Matt Hardy kind of stinks as a babyface. But, um, <laughs> yeah, MVP at this point, it, it was, I feel like they had already reached diminishing returns with MVP. As I said, like, that's a main event gimmick. Like, that's like Mr. Perfect. I feel the same way about Mr. Perfect. Mr. Perfect, once they put him in the mid card, when they brought him on the roster, they were never going to be able to elevate him above that to the main event. Uh, and I think that, that you see that with a lot of gimmicks where uh, sometimes guys need to be brought in on top. And that's how I feel about MVP. Um, I, actually, I feel like that about Mr. Kennedy, too. Like, Mr. Kennedy was in the same era, kind of phased out just because... You know, when you're in the mid-card that long and you see you beat a certain amount of people and lose to a certain amount of people, people just stop taking you seriously. So um, I, I kind of think that's what already had happened with MVP. But the problem with this match in terms of, like, buying in was Matt Hardy, in my opinion. Gotcha, gotcha. Good analysis. I love that. I lo- See, that's why I love having a fan on because they look at it from a completely different uh, way than a non-fan. Speaking of non-fans, Trill, uh, what, was your, uh, <laughs> what was your first impression of, the, of what we watched? Well, it was extremely 2000s. You had a Jim Jones balling reference. You had uh, Shaq and D-Wade, Kobe, and then two guys fought over a wrestling belt post 9-11 that was the uh, American championship belt. So it doesn't get much more mid-2000s than patriotism, 
the Shaq and Shaq Wade and Kobe and uh, a Jim Jones reference. So, so that's definitely what I took from it, just as a, a non-fan. <laughs> yeah, it, it was uh, pretty good. We also watched Evander Holyfield uh, recap highlights of him knocking out MVP, uh, and uh, had two ears and was being told by MVP to do what he wanted. And MVP is not Mike Tyson. Uh, and that's the only person who can tell Evander Holyfield what to do because he will he eat his ear off. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, I so a couple of questions uh, I, I I wrote down before uh, that I wanted. MVP's skill as a basketball player was on display. He got to show off a little bit of the handle, show off the range, show off the athleticism. If he were an NBA prospect going into the draft, from what you just saw. More footage than anybody saw of Giannis, mind you. That no one, no one saw any Giannis footage. Is he a lottery pick? No, he's he's too. He's built like a linebacker. Like there's no <laughs> way. Like, like there there is exactly one archetype of player that that worked in that mold, and those players don't work in the modern NBA anymore. Like you know, it's Desmond the, Bain didn't go in the lottery. Yes. Yeah, What's that? Desmond Bain didn't go in the lottery. There you go. And he's only what, six two or six three, we determined, or was he six three or six four? Like MVP, that's MVP's six three. Okay, so MVP's six three. So keep in mind, Desmond Bain, if you want to go Desmond Bain route, you're assuming that he has a little bit of creator equity. He's got like a handle and a crazy touch and whatever. Okay, maybe you can talk me into some form of but the way that he was built reminded me more of the PJ Tucker conversation that we had earlier, which is like the stretch four essentially being uh, dead in the modern NBA unless you literally are PJ Tucker, who like is a psycho, hard worker, rebounder, grinded out kind of guy. So uh, I don't know what's his mindset. What's MVP? What's he like? Like you, that's the kind of guy where like I'm not even doing a bit right now. Like one of the things that you actually can tell a little bit in interviews with guys. It's like, if you listen to Desmond Bain pre-draft podcasts, going back and looking at it with the hindsight that we have now, you're like, how did this guy not go higher? Because mm -hmm. of the way that he talked and the way that he was just like, so like, with, like he, for a 22 year old at the time, it was like, he was giving like amazing answers. He talked about exactly how he needed to get better and what he would do to get better and shit like that. And you're like, what the hell? And and now, uh, obviously, we, we all know he should have went in the top five or six of that draft. But you got to know the dude's competitive mindset. I really do. I like. I used to think that was a joke. But now the older I get, the more I'm like, I actually do think that there there is, at the highest levels, you need to have that dog in you. MVP was in prison. Oh. So, yeah. Got that dog in him. He's got the... He was in prison. Jeez. He was, yeah. was in prison. Yeah. And then got Jeez. out and became a WWE wrestler. So what a good story. <laughs> Uh, that's why you wrote the singlet because Vince McMahon doesn't like his prison tats. Yeah, he's okay. got some, uh, got some, some nice uh, mem uh, memories uh, from it. So, Wait, was his character in prison no, no, or was like, the man the, in prison? The real performer. Yeah. The real oh, okay, performer, the guy, yeah. that guy was. <laughs> yeah, and he. So one of the one of my favorite stories he tells is when he wanted to watch wrestling in prison, and like they, you know, he was in. I want to say Miami Dade County Prison, so like not a not a great prison to be in. And uh, he basically was like, no, we're going to watch pro wrestling. And, and the people were like, no, I don't want to watch that fake stuff. And he's like, what? No, it's not. And then, like, they put on and it was like Stone Cold Steve Austin. And everyone was like, this guy's great. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's, yeah, he's beating up his boss. And it's like suddenly everybody was a wrestling fan all of a sudden. It's like 
it's a fun, it's wow. a fun little story. You always hear stories about guys who like go away to prison and they get enlightened by reading like Malcolm X or some shit. Yeah. And like he went into prison and was like, Stone Cold Steve Austin, I'm gonna be there one day. And he got there. Yeah. So you gotta give him credit. Yeah. It's just like and you know, and he's doing he's now he's uh like a manager type and he's doing really good. One of the better uh entertainers on the uh on the WWE roster. Uh Mark, what is your are you are so you're saying Late first round for for MVP right now, based off yeah. what you saw. Yeah, Desmond Bain. He's okay. going twenty six, and he's going to be a steal. Yeah, that's what I'll say. <laughs> he's going to go on the hustle merchants, the uh, the uh, the old uh, yeah. Memphis. Yeah. I was going to say the wingspan not looking quite there, but you know. I mean, look, he's got a yeah. deadly three. He 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 sniped it. Nothing but net. Like he did that. He's ahead of the time. Steph Curry. He does the whole like you know. He only counts them if they go in. Don't touch the rim. Ahead of his time. Ahead of his time. MVP yeah. Was. Uh, he was a bucket and a problem. He was. He was. And uh, that, that dirty scoundrel Matt Hardy got got his Grayson Allen on, threw a ball at his head. Potentially <laughs> to harm. That is a flagrant one. Flagrant two even. He should have been ejected. If we're, if we're throwing not in the rule books that you can't you can't throw the ball. <laughs> the, yeah. You know the, these soft these soft this soft millennial Gen yeah. Z generation. You know. Yeah. Back in the nineties and the eighties, you know. No, back in our night, back in the nineties, every team would have got up and socked them in the mouth for that. He would have been like, "How dare you throw that ball at me?" Would have put some uh, you know hair on his chin. Yeah. Uh, and then, unfortunately, we only got the one basket, which I was very when I watched it the first time, I could have sworn I had more of a. It was like it got to like three, you know, three to two, and then they attacked. But maybe I just classic greasers always yeah, fucking shit it's up. Like, man, like we get it. You don't like basketball. You like you know milkshakes and you know <laughs> grease, and you like show tunes or jukebox. You know, hanging with your gal. You know, and uh, you know, putting the putting the moves on it. Don't go to the basketball court then. Like, you know, and I understand the basketball court was in a, you know, the problem was they put a wrestling court in the middle of a wrestling, or they put a basketball court in the middle of a wrestling show, which makes me think, how cool would it be if halftime each team sends out a player and they have a five minute, they got five minutes to wrestle and then whoever wins gets an extra two points. Yeah, that would be great. That would be good for like a Heat Grizzlies game. Semi pro. <laughs> we just we just extended Udonis Haslam's career by another five years. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's gonna be fifty playing. <laughs> uh, who was it? Was it? It was James Johnson, right? Uh, the M- MMA. He played for the Heat. I, thinking, I didn't know he did MMA. Who? Um, James, yeah, I didn't know. Yeah, didn't. Either. Well, he's also a domestic abuser, so that adds up. Jeez. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, I think so. Right? James Johnson. Yeah, he did. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Yeah, he he's got yeah, mm-hmm. not good. No, <laughs> yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. There's a lot also on his Wikipedia. That's heat culture for you. There's a lot of, <laughs> under his uh, under his uh, professional career. There's a lot of one year stints. Uh, yes, that's let's just say except on and off heat, the court, except for the heat and yeah, of course. Yeah. Well, he fit the culture. Yeah, fit the culture. Uh, so <laughs> the other thing that I, I took from this, we I talked about a little bit. Was that Mike, I wanted Mike Breen to call a pro wrestling sh- match at some point? At some point, I want him to. I want him to call pro wrestling. And then Mark said, "You know, get Michael Cole, Pat McAfee on. Also, a great idea. We also have Jim Ross calling it. But my question about 
about like transferring is. Oh God, is that Joel Embiid's music? <laughs> <laughs> is who is the player, the NBA player, that is most likely to succeed as a pro wrestler? For everything involved, the athleticism, the toll it takes on your body, the amount of work you have to Enough. put in, and everything else. I think it's pretty obvious, personally. It's 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 clearly it's clearly. Shit. I said Dylan Brooks would be a good heel earlier, but I don't think he would have the dedication to. Although he is, he is kind of like you know he's worked his way up. He's grinded as a role player to get where he is now. But I think all overall whole package because you talked about having to have the personality and the sell it to the audience, right? So you have to have the ability to control a room, plus freak athleticism, plus all that. Uh, I mean, LeBron is like has got to be number one for this. I think. Yeah, if he, yeah. if he dedicated if, himself. Yeah. If I wasn't worried about his body breaking down, I mean, Joel being like a monster is is pretty obviously like an Andre the Giant situation, and Joel's pretty damn good on the mic. <laughs> like, like yeah. Joel can definitely cut a promo. He can definitely play heel. Um, he can also play like you know the king of a city, basically, which is what he is currently. So. Um, I, I feel like I feel like Joel, if if his body could hold up, or you know, maybe it's a maybe it's a Brock Lesnar schedule. Mm-hmm. Maybe you get him three, four matches a year. He, he can he can rest up in between his matches. Load management. The Kyrie Irving COVID schedule. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> Only wrestles when the, when your company is within like a you know a two hour drive of him. Yeah. Uh, Kawhi Leonard when he feels <laughs> yeah. like it. I was gonna say Kawhi Leonard. I think could actually be a really good pro wrestler because. There's a, you can just be the gimmick where he doesn't talk and you give him a mouthpiece. He's a like, mute, yeah. He's a, you know, his whole thing is that he just shows up and you're like, oh shit, here comes Kawhi. Um, and he just, he looks all sad. Yeah, <laughs> just disinterested. Boban. The bell ring, yeah. Um, Boban's a good one. Boban would be great. Boban's a good one. Um, Boban would be, good, he honestly is like a character within himself. Yeah. It's, I just what, don't know if he could move enough at all. Giant Gonzalez, part yeah. two. We were talking about heels in in the NBA, and like one of the greatest heels in the NBA is no longer like people no longer like people still pray on his downfall, but I don't think he gets the like people don't care as much. But Chris Paul, I think, would be a good professor, yeah, like just because he's really good at doing things that make people hate him. Uh, yeah, and yeah. but also he could be a cop. <laughs> he could be. He is. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, but no, like he's also Lavar Ball was on Raw. Oh man, Lavar Ball. I thought about doing that as well. Uh, but there's no payoff for it other than Lavar, other than Lamelo saying the N word uh, live on television. Yeah, that <laughs> yeah, this is. Oh my this god, is, this is like freshman of high school. Like this is like Lonzo. I was going to say that must have been a while ago. Yeah, it was Lonzo. Yeah. Lonzo. It was peak gotten, big baller brand yeah, days. Lonzo. You should have. We should have known. Yeah. I mean, I knew I like Lamelo as a prospect, but if I had known that, that's just another. Yeah, like, notch on the resume. Like he just doesn't give a fuck. No, Lavar, uh, Lavar, they they a WWE making example like taking advantage of viral. They got much better at it, um, and they brought Lavar and Lamelo and Leangelo on to talk. To, to, they they had the big baller brand shirts. They were doing a whole segment. They're in LA. You know, he Lavar comes out. He does this goofy ass run and like struggles to roll in the ring. And he's just everybody's laughing at him because. It's funny to watch LeVar Ball roll into a wrestling ring. And then he takes his shirt off. Like, almost immediately, he takes his shirt off and, like, looks at The Miz. And he's and it's very clear that they gave The Miz, like, hey, this, we, we told him to say some of these things. 
and LeVar didn't remember anything. So, like, LeVar is like, you think you're some big player, huh? And he goes, uh, I'm the Miz. Like, I, I am the big player. This is my city. Like, Hollywood is mine, blah, 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 blah. And he's like, no, it's Lon- it's mine. And it's soon it's going to be Lonzo's. And people cheered because everybody Lakers. Loved, you know, Lakers. Sure. Yeah. He would be a re- really good wrestling heel for sure. Yeah, I mean, he has the personality. Man. He would be more of a manager type just yeah. because he doesn't have the no, ability. His, his son's athletic he ability. Is a former professional football player, technically. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, I think he played for the. Or he was on the roster. One of those fake teams. No, oh, okay, like practice squad. Yeah, Lavar Ball. I think he was on the Jets, right? Um, that sounds about right. Uh, yeah, he was a free. Yeah, he like showed up briefly played for it and Panthers. So like, you know, good. Hmm. Um, I think also another good pro wrestler would be like Dame because Dame loves to talk about like <laughs> the grind and like he has yeah. his gimmick. He's got his gimmick, you know, he's got his finishing move, the grinder. He just, he's, you know, Dame, the grinder Lillard. He doesn't uh, run from it. Doesn't run from it. You know, you can run from got him. He's got he's got the taunt. He's got everything. Yep. It's, it's all there, and he's like people like you know we were talking about how he needs to get away from Chris Haynes, uh, <laughs> or Chris Haynes needs to get away from him. But like Dame is like really entertaining to hear talk when he's not talking about not running from the grind. He can captivate a room for sure, and he also like of uh, I like I make fun of him because he's corny, and I think some of his raps are corny. But of the history of NBA players, he's certainly one of the more talented rappers and has clearly worked to get to the point where he's pretty decent. So he's got that element of him, too. Yeah. it's uh, so, so Dame Lillard, Chris Paul, I think. I would headline a big-time event with those two. Um, and then last question that I, I want to ask here. What wrestler do you think could have been a good NBA player? Now, some wrestlers are small, undersized, and everything – but some of them also are very, very tall. Some of them have even been uh, like Kevin Nash is famously was probably going to be an NBA player, played for the university of Tennessee, blew out his knees and then became a bouncer at a club. Um, so huh. there, there are play. I mean, and uh, Omos right now played for uh university of Southern Florida. It was, was great. There's a, they, you know, the pipeline of like, Oh, you're seven, you're over seven feet tall. You're not good at pro, you know, basketball. But hey, come to the pro wrestling where you'll stand out even more. Uh, like Taco Fall would be an incredible uh, pro wrestler if he put on like t- fifteen more pounds on sure. every at, on every limb. Uh, <laughs> but to your to your knowledge as best you can, Trill, and Mark, you have much more in pro wrestling. Who what pro wrestler would translate best to basketball? Well, I I could say the, the I know I saw the Miz hit the half court shot at the celebrity game. So that's, that's kind of the extent of basketball knowledge that I have, but he, I actually know him from, cause I'm a, I was a big, I grew up on real world and the challenge. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I knew him from back in, back in the day. Uh, and then I knew that he was in the wrestling world, but it wasn't a, a, a parent to me how famous he was until he was in the all-star celebrity games and he was always really athletic on those shows and then he has that crossover appeal so i'll go with the miz although he is he's a white dude but he's tall and he can he can hoop a little bit it seems sam hauser role you know yeah yeah there you go yeah mark what do you got i don't know if you guys are grum i should say i don't know if you've ever seen this but there's a video that was going around where the NWA wrestlers played the Charlotte Police in a basketball game, and my man Dusty Rhodes right, had a wet jumper. 
Just a wet jumper. They Dusty call- Rosie's got that boat in his gut, as Michael Vinn would say about David Roddy. He he had it, and that's that's instead of having the dog in him, he had that boat in him. But yeah, Dusty Rhodes. Uh, when you said that, the, he was definitely the name uh, that that jumped in my in my brain there. That's right, baby. I got me the wettest jumper you don't ever think. You, you call him. You call Steph Curry the Splash Brother. They call me the Splash Father, baby. That's right. Uh, but yeah, that's the, good. Uh, Dusty's not one of the ones I have. Like I, I've got a couple in my bag. Like mm-hmm. I've got wrestler impressions. I can't. I can't do the Dusty. I, I've got Dusty. Good. And I've got. Uh, I've got Dusty. I've got uh, Macho Man. And like my yeah, Vince, every, my yeah. my Vince McMahon is kind of, but not. I mean, it's just a stale. Like, oh, you, you're gonna do it, pal. Yeah, like pal, pal. Hey, pal. Yeah, and it's like oh, such good shit, pal. Yeah, um, such good shit, pal. Such, such, such good shit. I. I can only really do like wrestler Vince or not wrestler Vince. I can only do announcer Vince. Oh, that's on, a good on my impression. Like, one, two. Oh, we got him. No, we didn't. Oh, we did not get him. Vince was one of the worst announcers because if he said, "Oh, he's he gonna get him," screaming, he didn't get it, and then he would just be talking like regular conversation, and then be like, "Oh, that's a win for you know Shawn Michaels." It's like, where's he? What what happened? Meanwhile, he's yelling at everybody to show emotions. Like, <laughs> what are you doing? Uh, but yeah, so that's overall. I think. I think we got. I got. We're a little. We ran uh, a little bit longer on the front side of this than I would than I had originally planned. But before we get going, Trill, we'll start with you. Just final thoughts on your time here on the Dork Side this week. So everything encompassing the Dork Side. Well, it was good. I had a good time. Thank you for having me. Um, I definitely. I guess the one thing that I will take from this is that uh, there are way more people that I feel like. <laughs> Like, there are way more personalities that I think would actually translate from basketball to wrestling. Like, I guess it's a little bit different. I feel like the social media era has kind of redefined the way that we look at basketball players because they have their own social media, they go viral on social media, and some of the people that we talked about have created their own brands and personas, and and that's kind of how wrestling has always been. (laughs) Like, like this has been a thing in wrestling because it it had to be part of your brand, right? You had to have a brand to stand out. That was never really a thing with basketball until recently, or sports in general, and now it's it's more of a crossover, so the influence has been clearly uh on 10 from from the from the wrestling side and crossover for uh for the social media generation of basketball yeah it's not something i thought about until today so like i'm right there with you of like oh yeah like really starting to think about like who would be good at at pro wrestling uh and in in sports like you know like kevin durant people like oh kevin durant would be a good heel because he does everything for himself and it's like but he wouldn't be because he's not he's just doing what he wants like that's not a like that right. is, it's not entertaining. It's entertaining within compare in the, in his bubble of basketball, but sure. not, you could call him the slender man or the slim reaper, oh, but yeah, absolutely. Like have <laughs> some good names, great names, but use yeah. it for somebody else. Uh, Mark, what about you? Your time here, take away from it. What is the takeaway from your time here on the dork side this week? Yeah, I'm always happy to talk wrestling. I'm always, uh, I'm definitely uh, a total mark, uh, not just my name. So uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm, you know, I, I definitely get pigeonholed as a sports guy. So I, I love talking wrestling. Uh, yeah, I had fun. I This is like, even though we went over like probably like my least favorite era in the history of wrestling, <laughs> like, like the, like the 07 to 08 area, like, I feel like it's just, ugh, like there's just not a lot. 
not a lot of not a lot going on that like even in 06 like you can get you, that early part of the year like the rumble's good you know you have the Rey Mysterio run you have all that stuff and uh it, it really dropped off until like I I I was out during this period of time and I came back for punk in the pipe bomb in 2011 that's kind of I think it what that's what brought a lot of people back mm-hmm. um from this era but yeah I, that's definitely uh even though it was a dark period for me I definitely had fun talking about it Hell yeah, that's the important thing. Mark, once again, uh, if you would want to, go ahead. I, I give my guests a opportunity at the end to replug their stuff, uh, talk about what they've got working up, uh, or uh, bring any awarenesses that they would like to bring up and raise uh, raise awareness for any causes. That's, there we go. Uh, so the floor is yours, Mark. Yeah, I, I brought up all my stuff earlier. I plugged it, the, the draft shows on BGN um, and the painted lines and – uh, the the radio show every Saturday on Fox Sports The Gambler on iHeartRadio. Um, yeah, I'm sure we'll have Trill on again soon. Maybe we'll have Grum on uh, around WrestleMania. Maybe that's something. Uh, that's that's a pretty good idea. I just thought of on the fly. Don't uh, threaten but me <laughs> don't threaten me with a good time. <laughs> but yeah, the eleven to one every Saturday. Uh, pumped for March Madness coming up. Well, let's go. Good times, good times. You can find Mark at Mark Henry Jr. underscore. Not, there you go. Not really. If you, <laughs> if you put in Mark Henry, you're going to get sexual chocolate. That is not Mark, uh, but uh, it is Mark Henry, uh, technically. Uh, Trill, what about you? You're, you're, where people can find you, what you got working on, anything you'd like to raise awareness for? Follow me at Trill Bro, dude. Um, follow me on uh, your favorite plat- uh, form of choice, uh, YouTube, Spotify, Apple for You Know Ball Podcast, and... Uh, yeah, playback. Watch some games with me. That's my. That's honestly been the most fun that we've been having recently. Is just watching the games. Sometimes I get drunk for the games, and then I rant. Uh, Mark, you you weren't there for the one the other night, but I ranted pretty hard on the Bucks uh, and how fake their ring was two years ago. So so sometimes we have a lot of fun uh, on there. And uh, if you enjoy that stuff, follow me on the Patreon. There you go. Yeah, uh, as a as a subscriber to as a as a hog myself, uh, I cannot recommend anymore look i enjoy the playback because like i i try to do that with like my paper i'll host pay-per-views and and they're so much fun because it's just like they're a blast everybody gets together and you can bullshit and talk and like exactly it's like you're just hanging out with your friends basically yeah you know especially when some people are still uh, rightfully concerned about going out because of the pandemic or just unable to uh it's a good good way to keep uh community together yeah, absolutely. Highly recommend both of these men's work. They're good stuff. It's great stuff. It's fantastic. Such good shit. Uh, and uh, I appreciate it. Thank you guys for coming on. Peace. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, Trill, for coming on, being great guests. Great talk. Love this. Love this. Um, and we, I would have loved to have more time, but I messed around uh, before. We also had a little bit of technical difficulties around like minute 30. You can obviously things happen, but hey, look, I appreciate them coming on. You can follow Mark Henry Jr. at Mark Henry Jr. underscore. That's Junior Jr. You can also follow Trill at Trill Bro. Do check out what they're working on with the t- with the tough cover and with uh, you know Ball. Great stuff going on. I love to have them on. Hopefully, they come back soon. They enjoyed their time. And they come back and they have themselves a wonderful time again. Thank you. Hopefully, you guys come back next week. Still don't know. Uh, I don't have next week's episode recorded yet. I have about three recordings planned, so I don't know which one. 
but some mania, more mania stuff coming up. Uh, we're probably going to talk about Floyd Mayweather versus the big show. We're going to talk about Chainsaw Charlie and more stuff. Uh, I can't wait. Also, WrestleMania is coming up in about three weeks right now. Let's see. Yeah, three weeks. Can't wait. Love love this time of year. Wrestling is great. Raw was great. SmackDown was great. Dynamite was great. Impact is great. I cannot wait for the multiverse showdown, the, 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 the Impact New Japan and Working with a whole bunch of people, they announced a four-way tag team match for the Impact World Tag Team titles between Austin Ace and Chris Bay of the Bullet Club, Motor City Machine Guns, Aussie Open. It's so good. Such good stuff. Love it. I'm drawing a blank on the fourth team right now because my brain is just... It's overloaded with good wrestling, so we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna call it here. Good episode, episode eighty one in the books, episode eighty two next week, same time as always. Thank you guys. You can continue to support us as you always do by just listening. Tell your friends about us. Let us let them know where you can find us on Twitter at Dorkside Ring, same as Instagram. You can find us on YouTube. If you're watching us on YouTube, like, comment, subscribe. Let me know who you think could do really good in a basketball uh, from pro wrestling or vice versa, who would be a good pro wrestler from the NBA uh, or even college. You want to pick some college coaches or, or players. I don't know many of them. Uh, who knows who's doing what anymore. I know Jim Beheim uh, kind of let go, forced, retired, whatever you want to call it. About time, old man. Uh, <laughs> and uh, you can find us on Patreon. Support.grum.tv. That is a Patreon where you get these episodes early. You get these videos early. You get more and more for your buck it's great thank you so much and also i think i said all right but leave a rate rating and review five star hopefully for uh on spotify and on apple podcast that'll help us out as well i appreciate it we'll see you guys here next week we'll continue to not take wrestling seriously because wrestling is seriously better when no one is taking it seriously i am grum and i'll see you guys next week on the dork side of the ring podcast